Amen. Thank you, Paulette. Open your Bible this morning to Philippians chapter 3. As you're opening your Bible there to Philippians 3, I'm reminded again of what a rich and wonderful passage this is. As we are getting to look at the testimony of the Apostle Paul. And yet, it is an ordinary testimony about what happened to him on the inside when he came to know Jesus as his Savior and Lord and how it impacted his life from that day forward, even some 30 years after his salvation. And it's ordinary because it's the testimony of all people who have truly been born again. Those who have been truly been born again, that person has experienced some amazing changes in their life that we've been talking about from this passage here in Philippians 3 that we've seen, and listen very carefully again, who is going to be at the center of all of this testimony. That we see that the person who has been born again, their perspective has changed, and primarily their perspective has changed about Jesus. Clearly from the Apostle Paul, his did. Not only that, the person who has been saved, who is a Christian, their priorities in life have changed and that now the priority in their life is Jesus. Not only that, the person who has been saved, their position with God, their standing with God has changed because of Jesus. Because of the righteousness of Jesus. Not only that, last Sunday morning together, we saw that the person who's truly been born again, that that person's pursuits in life have changed. And guess what? Their pursuits are now about Jesus. Knowing Jesus. Being like Jesus. Wanting to be with Jesus. Now this morning as we're going to come to verses 12 through 16 together here in Philippians 3, we're going to see that also for the person who's been truly born again, their purpose in life has changed. And you can guess who that purpose in life is going to be about. It's going to be about Jesus. It's going to be about Christ. It's going to be about becoming more like Jesus Christ. Listen to how Paul says it beginning in verse 12. He says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. And brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. But this Sunday and next Sunday morning, we're going to be looking at these verses because it is here that God's Word is clearly revealing to us that our life, the purpose of our life as Christians, 
is about becoming more like Jesus Christ. That we want to attain to what it is that Christ has saved us for, as we're going to see here in a moment. Notice what Paul says there. Go back to verse 13 where he says, But one thing I do. Now Paul was doing many things in his life. And Paul, even the most mundane things of eating, drinking, sleeping. Paul was a worker. He was a tent maker. Paul was a minister of the gospel. Paul was an apostle who was going about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and being a witness for him of his life and his death and his resurrection. Paul was a man that was busy discipling other men like Timothy and Titus. Paul was also someone who personally was studying the scriptures. We see clearly from the book of Philippians, he was a man of prayer. He was a man of worship who worshiped Christ, and he worshiped Christ with God's people. Even last Sunday, if you recall, when we were looking at verses 10 and 11, we saw the pursuits of Paul, that he just wanted to know Christ. He wanted to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. He wanted to, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And Paul knows but. Underneath and behind all of these pursuits and these activities in his life, there is this one driving force, this one driving motivation in his life. And that's what he means there in verse 13 when he says, but this one thing I do. What is the one thing that Paul does? What is the one motivation, the one purpose, and all the activities of the life of Paul? It is that he can become more like Christ. He's saying that behind it all, he's saying, I am pressing on toward the goal. Notice there in verse 14, I press on toward the goal. The, the goal of becoming perfect. The goal of becoming like Christ. The goal of being made and conformed to the image of Christ. Paul had a singular focus in life to be more like Christ. This is why he says over in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 that he tells us, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That is, you practice the spiritual disciplines of studying Scripture, of prayer, and of worship, and of fasting, and of, and of giving, and of, 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 of serving, and all the different areas of your life. He's saying you do all those things, discipline yourself, but there's a purpose behind it, and that purpose is godliness. That is, become more like Christ. Or as Peter says it over in 1 Peter 1, verses 14 and 15, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. God is the one who has called us and He is the Holy One. Thus, we want to be holy ourselves. That is, we want to live life without sin in all of our behavior. This was the goal. This was the purpose. It really is answering the question of why. Why do we do what we do? 
for our kids and for students. Let me ask you this morning, why do you obey your parents? Why do you obey your teachers? Why do you obey those who are in authority? Why do you do your schoolwork? Why do you play sports? Why is it that you're doing what you're doing in your life? And as adults, for us, why do we work? Why do you parent the way you parent? Why do you grandparent the way you grandparent? Why do you do all the things that you do in your life? Why, why do you study your Bible? Why do you pray? Why do you even come to church? Well, hopefully our answer should be as Paul's because the one thing I am doing is I am pressing on towards the goal of becoming more like Christ. The Bible teaches us that positionally, when you were saved, that positionally you were sanctified, as you were set apart by God. You were justified in His sight, forgiven of your sins, and the righteousness of Christ was credited to you. It was imputed to you. But the Bible also teaches us, though you are positionally sanctified, personally and progressively, you are still being sanctified. That is, you're still being set apart and made more like Christ. And that, beloved, is a process that will happen all the days of your life. That is, there's still work to be done in our life. There's the working out of our salvation, the salvation that God has given us in Christ. So Paul says here, if you notice with me in verse 12 and in verse 14, twice, I am pressing on. I am pressing on. That is, I am running after this purpose with eagerness. There's an enthusiasm behind my life that's driving me. That's why Paul could honestly say over in Philippians 1 that for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Because his life was about Christ and he was pursuing Christ's likeness. And he knew that when he died that he would gain perfectly Christ's likeness. That is when Paul knew that when he died as a believer that he would immediately be in the presence of Christ and he would immediately be pure before Christ that he would no longer struggle in his body with sin. And that the next time that his body and his soul would be reunited, that his body would be glorified. That's what he's going to be speaking about as we get to the end of chapter 3. Look over there for a moment where he says in verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. So beloved, this is our purpose in life. This is why you're doing what you're doing. This is why you're here today. You're here today because you want to hear the Word of God and you want to be with God's people and you want to worship Christ because you're wanting to be made more into the image of Christ. 
Now, as we look back at our text this morning, as I said, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to look at this text. And what Paul gives us here to move us and to motivate us to pursue Christ-likeness is he's going to give us the, the reasons why it is we should be pursuing Christ-likeness. And next Sunday, he's going to give us the requirements. That is, what is required of us if I'm going to be in the pursuit of pressing on towards Christ-likeness? What's required of it from me? But this morning, I want us just to focus on the reasons. And he gives us two reasons why becoming like Christ was the purpose of his life and should be the purpose of your life and my life as a believer. The first reason he gives us is found there in verse 12. And it is because it is the reason for your salvation. You should be pursuing Christ's likeness because that is the reason why you were saved. It is the reason for your salvation. Notice what he says there in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained it or already have become perfect, but I press on. And then he gives you the reason why. So that I may lay hold of that, of what? That for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. He's saying, I am pursuing after Christ and Christ's likeness because that's why Christ laid hold of me. And notice what he's saying there. Christ laid hold of me. That is, that word for laid hold means he seized me. Jesus laid hold of you, beloved, when he saved you. That's what he did to Paul on that road to Damascus. He apprehended Paul on that road. Paul was going there to persecute the church and persecute Christians, and Jesus apprehended him. He appeared to him and so gripped his heart. Christ seized him by grace, giving him a new heart, bringing him from spiritual death to spiritual life. Making him alive. You think about it, Paul was just like all of us. He was walking down that road to, to Damascus as a dead man. That is, he was spiritually dead in his trespasses and sins. And Christ came in and invaded his life. And Christ, when he appeared to him and he opened his heart so that Paul could see, it was Jesus who moved in on Paul. That's why Paul says about his testimony in 1 Timothy 1 and verses 12 through 14 there, he speaks about his salvation, that it was an act of Christ's mercy and his abundant grace toward him. And that's the same thing for you and me, beloved. So we think about why is it? Why is it that I should be pursuing Christ's likeness? Because that's why Christ pursued me. That's why Christ pursued you. That's why Christ saved you. Let me show you this. Turn with me for just a moment. Go over to the book of Romans and go to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8. Let's just read it beginning in verse 28. Let's look at verse 28 and 29 together to help see this. He says in Romans 8, 28 that we know 
that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become what? Conformed to the image of His Son so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, he's saying there, God is the one who's working, causing all things to work together for our good because there is a purpose behind it all and that purpose is to be conformed to the image of his son because he's just the firstborn of many brethren that are going to be made in that way. You see, that is our destiny. That is what Jesus saved us for. Jesus saved you. And he's now working in your life, causing all things to work together for your good. And your good is, beloved, you being conformed into the image of Christ. Look, if you will, again, just to kind of see this and think about this, go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3, we're told, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And here's where He's moving us towards, that we would be what? Holy, blameless before Him. You see, beloved, God has saved you and God has called you to Himself. And Jesus has, has come to you because for you to be holy and blameless. Now again, right now in our life, we are not holy and blameless. Positionally we are, but progressively and personally who we are, we are not. But that is where God is moving us toward. That's what He's moving us toward. Holiness, blameless. You see, we as God's people... We, we talk a lot, and rightfully so, about the idea that salvation is about getting to go to heaven, and, and salvation is about getting to escape hell and escape the, 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 the wrath of God in eternal hell. But we need to talk more about the fact that Jesus saves us so that we will become more like Him. In fact, if you're there in Ephesians, just remember, go over to Ephesians chapter 2. And look at verse 10, where it says, For we, that is believers, are His workmanship. We're His workmanship. He created us in Christ Jesus. But why? Just so that we can go to heaven? No, that's not what the text says. He says He created us in Christ Jesus for good works. Works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Over in Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, it says there, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. You see, beloved, remember what Peter said? We read it a moment ago. In 1 Peter 1, he says, Just like the Holy One who called you 
Be holy yourselves and all your behavior. God called you as the Holy One for you to be holy. And that is to be holy, that is to pursue Christ, to pursue Christ's likeness. To be zealous for good deeds. This is why, if you will, go back to Galatians for a moment. Go to Galatians 4 verse 19. This is why and what Paul was after as he ministered the gospel. In Galatians 4.19, he says, My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. He's saying, look, I'm going to keep laboring over and over again until Christ is fully formed in you. That's what it was about. That's why Paul was discipling people. That's why Paul was preaching the gospel. That's why Paul was proclaiming Jesus Christ. That's why Paul was teaching the word of God because he was wanting to see Jesus Christ fully formed in every single person. That's why he says, look very quickly for a moment over in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians 1 and verses 28 and 29 where he says, we proclaim him, that is, we proclaim Christ." And in so doing, here's how we do it. We admonish every man. We teach every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man, notice, complete in Christ. That's why Paul ministered the way he did. And that's why he knew the only way someone was going to be complete in Christ and growing in Christ's likeness is if he was ministering by the Spirit of God and he was ministering the Word of God. You see, we need the Spirit and we need the Scriptures. He says, For this purpose also I labor, striving according to His power which mightily works within me. Beloved Jesus, if you're here today and you've been saved, Jesus saved you, He saved me, He seized us by His grace so that we would become like Him. That should motivate us all to want to pursue Christ's likeness. And that is something that God plants in the heart of every believer. This is what Paul is saying. As we go back to our text in Philippians 3, he is saying, I just want to lay hold. I was laid hold of by Christ for this purpose, and I now pursue that in my life. That's the purpose of my life. I press on so that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. But now look down at verse 14 and you'll see a second reason why he gives that you should have as the purpose of your life to pursue Christ's likeness, to be more like Christ. He says, verse 14, I press on towards the goal and then again he tells you why. It's for the prize. It's for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The, prize, the goal is the prize. He says, I'm pressing on towards the goal. 
That is, there is something out here in front of me that I have my eyes fixed on. There is a goal that I am pursuing in life. It should remind you of Hebrews chapter 12 where it speaks about Jesus. He tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Essentially, when you think about this pressing on for the goal, for the prize, Paul seemed to have been somewhat of a fan of athletics because throughout Scripture that he writes, he seems to refer to athletic terms and events at different occasions. Over in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6.12, he says that we struggle not with, we don't wrestle or struggle with flesh and blood, that idea there of a wrestling of hand-to-hand combat. Over in 1 Corinthians 9, in verse 24 and 26, he speaks about running the race. In Galatians 5, 7, he speaks about running well. In Colossians 2, he speaks about running the race and running it well. If you recall, even here in Philippians in chapter 2, in verse 16, he was concerned that he was running in vain. In 1 Corinthians 9, 25, he speaks about the the games of their times that they competed in. In 1 Corinthians 9, 26, he speaks about boxing. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, he speaks about fighting the good fight of faith, faith, and he talks about finishing the course. He spoke about that same thing of finishing the course over in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, finishing his course. God has laid out a course for me to run and I'm running that course. I'm running that race and as I'm running it, I'm also wrestling and I'm boxing and I'm fighting. You see, beloved, in our sanctification, I want to come back to this again, in our sanctification and becoming more like Christ, we have a role, we have a responsibility There should not be ever this let go and just let God do it. God is the one who will do it and he will produce it in your life. But beloved, we have to be active. We have to be proactive. We have to be pressing on as Paul is saying here. And one of the reasons why it is that we should be pressing on is because it is the actual reward of our salvation. It's not just a reason that you were saved, but it is going to be the reward at the end for your salvation. That's what he's saying. This is the prize. This is the goal. This is why Paul is doing what he's doing. He wants to be complete and perfect in Christ, and he knows in the end that's going to be the reward. I'm reminded of, we think about these athletic terms that Paul is speaking about here, pursuing a goal. I'm reminded of Olympic athletes, athletes that dedicate their lives to the purpose of winning the gold, gold medal at the Olympic Games. And everything they do in their life is driven by that purpose. And I was reading again this week I think it's been 10 years ago this summer since Michael Phelps, the great American Olympic swimmer, uh, won the most gold medals of any person. He won eight gold medals and won Olympics. And just looking back, how he, he he had a life that was driven with that purpose. 
To do that, he had to have focus and discipline. He was striving towards a goal. And just think about this. He would eat, during that time, he would eat 12,000 calories a day. Now, beloved, that's work. To eat that much? He would eat 12,000 calories a day. Well, he said, well, he's swimming. He's trying to be a swimmer. If he's eating 12,000 calories a day, he is going to get as, as big as a house. No, because he was also swimming 50 miles a week. Five or six hours a day, he was spending in the water. Three days a week, he was going and doing some kind of weightlifting. He was consumed with this. Why? Because he was pressing on towards the goal. That was his goal. So how he ate, how he drank, how he slept, how he worked, everything he did was about that purpose. His free time was about that purpose. Everything in his life was about that purpose. And what I'm trying to get us to see, beloved, is this is what Paul is saying. It's the one thing that I do. In everything that I'm doing, the one thing that is behind it that I am doing, I am pressing on with eagerness towards Christ-likeness. In fact, if you will, for just a moment, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24, he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. And just think about that. Michael Phelps was going after a perishable wreath. But we're going after that which is imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. This was Paul. He's running to win the race. And notice again, beloved, what he says there in Philippians 3, I, am, I press on towards, as I'm moving downhill towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's the upward call of God, beloved, that calling of God that He issued into your life. It was a holy calling, but it's a heavenward calling. We're moving towards heaven. What is it going to be like to be in heaven? We want as much of heaven that can come down here right now to be here and to be in our life. That's why Paul also says, listen to this carefully, that's why he also says over in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, it was for this He called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God called you through the preaching of the gospel that came to you and the power of that gospel that came to you. He called you that you may gain the glory of 
the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, you may become like Christ. You're not going to become God as Christ is, but you're going to become like Christ in your character. And we know that's the reward. Notice again, when you think about what he says there in Philippians 3, he says, I'm pressing on towards the goal, but then he calls it a prize, which means in the end, beloved, it's a gift. It's a gift that God gives. Because as we're going to talk about next Sunday when we come together, no one ever reaches the goal in this life. You're never going to reach sinlessness in this life. You're never going to be able to say and come up here and take a microphone and stand and say, I'm here to declare everyone here at East Gina Baptist Church, I am now without sin. I no longer sin in my life. No one can stand and say that. That's why in the end it's just going to be a prize. It's going to be a gift. It's a gift that God will give. You see, there again, we think about these aspects of our salvation. These these tensions that are there. Remember, we talked about God is at work in you. In Philippians chapter 1, He began the work. He continued the work. He will finish the work. God's the one working inside of you. But then Paul also says, but work out your salvation. Here we see Paul saying, I'm striving, I'm laboring, I'm reaching forward, I'm stretching with all the muscles in my my spiritual life towards this goal of becoming more like Christ. And yet in the end, it's just going to be a gift that God gives me. Please notice something very careful here. It's the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. One must be in Christ Jesus. This prize is for those who are in Christ Jesus. This prize is for those who have experienced that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is what it comes back to for all of us. So let me just wrap it up this way. First and foremost then, beloved, examine yourself to see if you are in Christ Jesus. That is, have you experienced this upward call of God in Christ Jesus or has Jesus laid hold of you? Has He seized you? Has He apprehended you? Well, if He has then you will see these things coming out of your life that we see coming out of Paul. That's why I said this is just an ordinary testimony whereby Paul's priority had changed. His pursuits had changed. His position had changed. His perspective and thinking had changed. His purpose in life had changed. Not that he did any of those things perfectly as we're going to see next Sunday. He says, look, I haven't obtained it. But I'm pressing on. Are you pressing on? That's the first question you need to be answering this morning. Has Jesus laid hold of me? But secondly, if you can answer and say, yes, Jesus has laid hold of my life, then examine your life as to its purpose. Can you say, as Paul says here, The one thing that I do, that is the one thing behind everything that I do is this. I am wanting to become more like Christ. 
I would encourage each of you, even this week, spend some time with the Lord examining your life and examining what it is that you do. How are you doing? How are you doing this? And what you're doing, are you doing it for the purpose of becoming more like Christ? Are there some things you need to adjust in your life? Or how am I handling my circumstances? How am I handling my situation? Am I handling and looking at it in a way of saying, this is, the, this is how God can work in my life to make me more like Christ? Because see, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be about. Again, I'm reminded of what Paul says over in 2 Corinthians 12 and verses 7 through 10 where he says, there was a thorn there in my flesh and I kept pleading with God. I, in fact, I pleaded with God three times, Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away. And all three times God said, no, no, no. And because Paul realized God wanted me to learn that his grace was sufficient and he says, I realize there that when I am weak, I'm actually strong. That is, that's when I get to see the power of God working in my life, making me more like Christ. So he says, I'll rejoice in my weaknesses. I'll rejoice in my persecution, insults. How are you looking at life? Is it through the lens of this purpose? Is your life being driven by becoming more like Christ? I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.